Friends and professionals, welcome back to another live episode of the Model Indian Podcast. I'm your host, Alec, but you know that because it's on all the social medias. Like, it's my name's like right there. Woo! We're on the road to 100 million on season four of the podcast. So thank you. We're bringing on people and teams that have crested that major milestone and funded over $100 million in a year. It's an unbelievable achievement. And the themes with the teams that we've had on is amazing. Today, Glenn Henry, Mike LaSala, we're bringing these guys on to tell you how they accomplished their major goal of funding 215 loans for $121 million last year. Mikey, roll it, and let's go. All right. Hi, guys. How's it going? Live hey, in the studio. Like, it's yeah. fun to like actually get human connection. I'm so done with the Zoom stuff, even though I love you out there in internet land. Like, it's just, <laughs> it's just better to hang out like in person than rap. It's it awesome. is. So before we kick into last year's results, the, the impressive numbers, all that fun stuff, let's, let's do what we typically do in the beginning of these and go back in time. So, Mike, let's, let's, let's start with you. And then, actually, Glenn, I want to start with you. Okay. How'd you get into lending? What's the story? Because no one finds this industry without like a silly story. Right, right, exactly. So I started out going to school to in, to get into architecture and- Oh, perfect, uh, perfect yeah, transition. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> it's perfect, right? And uh, decided that maybe wasn't the plan for me and uh, I got into this business by buying a house and saying, hey, that was easy, that seems so really? easy. Yeah, no. <laughs> but no. the reality of it was I was just an easy buyer probably and you know, my best friend's dad owned a mortgage company and I went to him and bless him for the experience that I got because that experience was pushed a bunch of papers in front of me and I signed the stack of papers and yeah. I pushed them back and I had no idea what I just did. Yeah. Yeah. And pretty much like it. most people that get a mortgage right. are like, I signed yeah. things. Yeah. I don't know what I did. A lot of things. And, <laughs> and I bought a house and I felt like that didn't really seem like the, like as great as I thought it should be. So I kind of took that after, on after I got in the business and said, you know what? I want to, make a different experience. So did you work for him or who? I did. I, really? So, yeah. So I got a loan. I bought my house. I got a loan. I got in the business because yeah, it seemed like such an easy thing to do. Yep. It's like, let's go do mortgages. Like, why not? So, so I started there. Everyone else out there, it's such an easy industry. Just jump in. It's jump amazing. On, yeah. And you know, my first thing that he told me was, uh, you can't talk to any customers. That was my first step. All I did was I was basically a processor. I put together files. Okay. This is back in the day where you stacked oh, yeah. files. Full paper files. Yeah, Mike knows nothing. About I know not. Yeah, <laughs> he's, he's a child. That's okay. Yeah. <laughs> so I learned, and I and you know and that was another great lesson that he taught me is like you gotta you gotta build a great file. Like you gotta build this the fundamentals for the underwriter to the underwriter doesn't go to decline a loan. They go to approve a loan and let's show them the picture so they can. So I use that today. So how long do were you in that capacity? Well, I did that, that for the first six months. Okay. So after that, my next step was taking a ream of paper, building a flyer, printing it out. And I went out and I hit all the offices and I just stuffed their little. So this, you actually box. did the, the mailbox stuffing I did. of flyers. He I did. A, he had I, a milk run. 
I did. <laughs> so the realtor offices, non-solicits, but you like, you know, sweet talk the lady and you go in there and you stuff. Yep. What were the, on the flyers? You remember what was on the flyers? Yeah, they were rate flyers. Rates. They were like, just all rates. That's yeah. all it was, was rates. Oh and, my uh, God, that's yeah. so good. And I knew that this office, I needed 50 and this office, I needed 75. And I just had my little stacks prepared. And How many flyers go. were you handing out like a week? We did a ream of paper a week. So 500. 500 flyers a week. Yeah. And I had a set amount of offices that I would go to. And you know what? And the, the funny thing about that is, as it sounds today, is it actually, I got business from it. Because I was there the same time every week. And I was always there. And I was just in the office. So how long did you do that for? I did that for, well, I worked for him for a year and a half. So okay. a year. Yeah, a year of a just year. flyer dropping. Yep. And you actually got people called you and said like, you know, thank God, Glenn, like, like, let me, you got, I got your rates. Let me yeah. do a deal. I was, I was in the office and I would walk through the office and I, you know, I would learn like, oh, in this office, I can't get past the, the receptionist. How do I get past the receptionist? Well, I build a relationship with the receptionist and then she gets you in the back or get one agent that can get you in the back and then you can walk around to the other offices. And Hey, real quick, Carissa, thank you for supporting and watching live. That's so fun. And Stephanie, thank you too. Um, if you have questions, everybody live and ask away, we'll get, we'll answer them. So, okay. So a year and a half and then you, you jumped, jump jumped, ship. Yeah. What, why, what was going on? So I was at a broker then I moved to, so an underwriter that I worked with at another company, she pulled me over. She's like, Hey, I think you should come over. I think you should talk to them. I think you'd do great here. And, uh, I went to that office and yeah. interviewed and I ended up moving to, um, a company called Intermountain Mortgage. Okay. A great little company. And the owner, I didn't know this at the time, but the, actually the owner of the company uh, sold real estate with my grandfather. Really? Like many years before. Huh. So crazy. Small but, world. Yeah. So so I moved there and I was there for about a year and a half. What, what kind of production were you doing back in this in this time, approximately? I was in Colorado. Yeah. Loan amounts were much less, obviously. Yep. And uh, probably, you know, I was probably doing anywhere from 15 to 20 million. Yeah. So, you know, pretty, pretty average for Colorado. Yeah. Pretty good. Probably. Yeah. Okay. Free inflation. Yep. Yeah. And then, uh, and then I went to the stagecoach. I went to Wells Fargo. Yeah. Went to stage, and, and you worked at Wells for a long time. 10 years. 10 years. Part of it in Colorado and then moved here to California in 2009 and was there until uh, we came to iMortgage. Yeah. iMortgage Loan Depot. Yeah. Yep. And then, um, okay. So Mike, what's, what's the path? Yeah. So I don't have that long history <laughs> of broker bank, right? Like, I think the biggest thing when I got into the industry, everyone was like, you have a clean slate, right? Like, you don't have all of this bad information. Baggage. Yep, you started fresh. And so I started in 2016. And I've been with this company ever since. Yep. So I've never transitioned between companies. I know one way, never learned the bad way. I learned the good way. And when did you guys partner up officially? Uh, 2018. Little backstory, right? Yeah. After we officially got married to Glenn's daughter, that was in 2018. And we, yeah, so we for those joined. of you that are putting, so get married do, first doing the math on joined. this, yeah. yeah, yeah. So Mike kind of weaseled his way into the really, you know, the, the deal here by marrying the daughter. It's a good move, it's a solid yeah. move. But, but wait, there's, a, there's another part to this too. Like Mike wasn't in the business and he and my daughter worked together. And then Mike wanted to get in the, in the mortgage business and wanted to come work for the company where his girlfriend's parents work. It's bold. And when I first heard this, I'm like, dude, you're crazy. <laughs> Are you, you want to be, you want to work really close with <laughs> yeah. I right. love it. <laughs> I mean, I quit my job. I studied for 
two to three weeks, took the test and dove in. It's bold. I will say, I will say that the setting that was created here, like at this company created that avenue because to be a loan specialist, to kind of build that book, build your knowledge, like jumping in just completely with nothing else would be very difficult. Yeah, no doubt. Like no, yeah, you need a mentor, you need people around you. And I think that's the challenging part of today. So both of you can jump in on this question. You joined iMortgage Loan Depot in 2016. Yeah, I got that right? 15. 15. Yeah, you were 15. And then what was your progress slash business like from then through 20, you know, 21? Yeah. Well, describe it. I remember, I remember being at, uh, when we went to Arizona for onboarding. Yeah. I remember something that your dad said on stage that sticks with me today. That's terrifying. <laughs> I don't know <laughs> no, what you're going to awesome. say right now. <laughs> it's, it's awesome because it's on my vision, vision board every year. And he said something to me or to us that he said, typically the Wells Fargo, um, you know, bankrupt doesn't make it at iMortgage. And I was like, oh no, you just didn't say that. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So let me be fair here and let me, let me defend. So, um, and, and I, Enrique, Enrique, I see your question. I'm going to get that. Um, I, there is a stigma in our business yeah. that bank loan officers um, don't survive well in non-bank space. Typically, banks and non-banks, if you're a non-mortgage person, have different strengths and weaknesses. Yep. Sometimes those strengths and weaknesses kind of move around depending on the market and the craziness of the economy. But they tend to attract different types of originators, right. different types of personalities. And so, you know, my dad's comment was, you know, hey, I've, he's worked in both. He worked at Wells Fargo for a long time. Yeah. They tend to not thrive in a non-bank environment. So you, that, you took that as like a, a challenge. Oh, it's on. Yeah. It's on. Yeah, <laughs> it's I on. I did. And, uh, you know, and, and yeah, to that point, it's like, you know, learning. It's a different, uh, different environment. And, and both of them are great. Like I had a great career, you know, yeah. and it was awesome. So, so, yeah, so I think our progression went, um, you know, I was probably doing, you know, I was always really stuck in that 20 to 25 yeah. million. I could never get through it, you know, and it was always like how, everybody else is doing it. Why am I not doing it? Trying to figure that out. Um, and then Mike and I started partnering together and then it just kind of we really kind of separated what we do into we we say stay in our lane. We, we live by stay in your lane, you know, like it's uh, something that's really important and that's really what has vaulted our production so i think we did in the first in the first uh our first year 20 or 55 yeah i think we were right around that 50 mark then right around that 75 to 80 mark and then the 120. yeah right, so i want to get ago. in i want to get into that meat for a second um yeah. but before we do put put uh manrique manrique if i hope i pronounce it right i'm sorry if i don't uh, question, how long did it take before you felt confident in your skills as an LO? It can be a bit nerve wracking to not have the immediate answer for clients. What was both of your experiences on that? I like, I like both takes on this. I think for me, it's like I can put myself in your shoes very easily because I remember the first application I took over the phone and my manager was like, you need to take this call. And I'm sitting there just reading a 1003 <laughs> to this borrower. Yes. I'm like, and I know they know I don't know what I'm doing. Like, <laughs> you don't I, know that. Yeah, like, and I and to this day, first client, still in touch with them because I did the basics, right? Yep. I didn't know how to get it to the finish line, but you have a team behind that you that's going to help. And I just say it takes it's just experience. The more you do, the more you read, the more you listen to people, like that's how you're gonna build that, that kind of get rid of that nerve wracking. 
Glenn, what do you and remember? I, and I think that I think the last part of that question was, uh, you know, when you don't have that immediate answer, I think it's okay to say, I don't have, I don't have that answer, but I'm going to get that answer for you. Yeah. So I think it's, I think it's okay to say that. You know, it is, it, it's a sign of confidence. You don't absolutely, we, we, we think we have to know everything. Yeah. And the reality is our customers don't know anything. Yeah. Um, it, it was funny. I'll share a, a small tangent. I was invited to a very, um, successful real estate podcast with some real estate investors. And I, I, I looked them up before I got on the show. Thank goodness. And I was like, Oh crap. Like this is a, this has a large audience like this, you know, cause if you, if I'll say yes to any podcast, just, just out there. Yeah. So I was like, I saw, I thought it was another, like, you know, yeah, can, you know, whatever I'm building my podcast. Would you come on? I was like, sure. And then I was like, Oh no. Like, and so I meet, I like had 10 minutes and I'm like speed listening to previous podcasts to be like, right. what has they been talking about? And then I got on there and then I realized they are experts in what they do with real estate investing. They, they have huge depth of knowledge. They don't really know mortgage, right? Yeah. They know some things enough to be dangerous, to do their craft. But all of a sudden, and then I realized, oh, all the knowledge I've had over the years, like I'm totally prepared. Right. They, they don't know what I think they know. And that's, that goes back to the general consumer. They just don't know. They don't yeah. know what they don't yeah. know. Yeah. And they can be embarrassed by the fact that they don't know because they can be highly successful business people. And they just don't know if they're asking the right questions. And so they kind of pivot and posture. So it's a good question, man. I appreciate I you asking it. Comfort them in that, right? Like, because they don't know what they don't know. That's why I'm yep. here to yep. help you. Yep. Um, okay. So we, we're on this journey, going back to the journey here. You're at, you know, 30 million, you, you team up, you find a way to push to 50 million. So let's talk, let's, let's go there for a minute. Because that's still a yep. big jump-ish yep. from 25, 30 to 50. Yep. How, what activities were you doing in that year? What was going on? So, you know, something that, that I've always learned through my career is just consistency. And, you know, I moved from, I moved from Colorado to California. Yeah. You have a whole new audience. Now. I had to start over. Yeah. You're and starting over. I'm, I'm at Wells Fargo and yeah, I, I know the bank model. I know that, but I still, I still need to know people. So what did, what did I do? I went to open houses every weekend. I've got to, I've got to meet realtors. I've got to get in front of realtors. And I went to, you know, I said, I talked about my best friend's dad and what, what he made me do is every, you know, every Tuesday I was out handing out flyers every Tuesday, going to the same offices around the same time. And, and when I was, when I moved here in my office, a title rep would come in every Wednesday do the milk run. Yeah. at one o'clock and he would come in and I just, I noticed that and it reminded me of what I used to I do. I do this. Yeah. Yeah. And all of a sudden it's like, I had a refi and who am I going to give it to? Well, he's here every week. I'm going to give it to him. Yeah. I, I gave it to him. He's it's hustling. natural. And, and yeah, and, and he and I would, would talk all the time when he came in. So, so that, I mean, just being consistent is what we had. And like I said, we really separated our roles, uh, Mike and I and the team. And it's like, I have this, I have to stay in this lane. Yeah. So you've said that stay in my lane now a few yeah. times. Yes. yes. What it's, does that mean? Like, what does that mean? Unpack it for somebody who's like, what are you talking about? <laughs> yeah. So stay in our lane. Like, so we've kind of separated our, our business to, I'm really kind of in the beginning meeting with the realtor and building that relationship with the realtor. And then when they're sending clients, I'm kind of having that high elevation conversation with the client. Mm -hmm. And then, and then from there, they're doing the application if they're prepared to do that. And then it gets to Mike. So Mike's never doing that part. I'm staying in my lane. This is what I do. Yep. I set them up for success. I tell them that, you know, what our team's about and what they can expect and, and how, what the path looks like. Yep. And then it goes to Mike and then Mike just runs with it from there. And so it's really just defining our roles or whatever roles work within, you know, 
the teams that are out there. It's like what works for you guys and stay in that lane. Because I think the probably the biggest challenge with loan officers, right, is control. Control freaks. Right? Like control freaks. Yep. yep. So you you're all control freaks. Do, I know you it. want to do everything. Yep. And so do we. There's we're no different, yep. right? Like, but you have to develop that lane of all right, I can control this. But once you start bouncing outside, that's where you you lose production that way. Well, what I like about it from from my seat and and what I think is a huge takeaway for everybody out there is the things that grow your business are the things that grow your business. So the second you're off your lane in the things that aren't growing your business, yeah, you're stagnating immediately. And, and, and we're also focusing on, <sighs> hey, what are the things that I'm good at? What are the things that Mike's good at? And yeah. let's concentrate on those. So, so you kind of made a jump from you know 30 to 50, sounds like from relationship building yeah. in the streets, traditional blocking and tackling stuff. Did it just continue to compound the next year? Or was it just like, hey, we just we just kept going? Like, like give me describe yeah. how that kept Yeah. So something that that something that we do is I'm I focus really heavy on the listing agent. Listing agents, good. Yes. Let, let's unpack this because people stay away from listing agents. Yeah. And I think it's a stupid thing to do. So and, and when you're when you're uh when it was just me, I never thought of that. I just wanted to close this deal and where do I find the next one and how do I get the next one? And yeah, let's build a relationship with this client. I want to do that. And I want to get future business from them and leaving this listing agent out there. So, you know, every, every purchase transaction that we have, I'm reaching out to that listing agent. When the offer goes in, we have our partners that will copy us on the email when it goes out and I'm reaching out to the listing agent. Hey, buyers ready to go. They're done. We've been through underwriting the loans approved. We're ready to go. Our focus is now on the property, not the buyer on the property like the other offers that you're reviewing are. Yep. So that's been a big, that's been a big um, jump for us too, is that we've pulled a lot of business from the listing agent and just building that relationship through that 21 day, 30 day, whatever that period is, we do an update to that agent every week. Um, once again, being consistent, yep. doing it on the same day at the same time and they're expecting it and, I call them and they're like, oh, it must be Tuesday, you know, yes. and it's fun. And yes. I love that. There's, that's just awesome. So, um, so yeah, so building that and just really doing more, like I'm able to do more with our realtor partners and Mike's able to do a lot more with uh, our clients. So let's, let's, let's look at this, unpack this a little bit more. So are you hitting the listing agents primarily through the transaction that you end up with them on? Are you hitting them at open houses and broker previews? Is it a combo? And what are you saying to these agents to get them to start referring customers to you? Because everyone knows the excuses, right? Listing agents say, I don't work with buyers. Right. I only do listings. Right. So give us some, some, some tactics here. Yeah. When you, I mean, the, the, the easy one for the, the agent that says, oh, I only do listings. Well, where's your seller going? What are they doing? Yeah, no. yeah. It's, a, it's a terrible <laughs> excuse. It is. And, and all that means is they don't trust you or like you or know you yet. Yeah. So they just, they don't want to engage. And, and what's the answer to where's your seller going? Oh, they're moving out of state. Oh, great. We do loans in all 50 states. Yep. <laughs> you know? Can we talk to them? Let's yeah. help you. <laughs> so, so I think that, yeah, I mean, going to build that relationship with the buyer's agent, you know, yeah, we're going to open houses. We're doing them every weekend and we're going out there and we're, we're hosting open houses with our partners and we're also going out and meeting new ones as well, or ones that maybe we had had on a transaction in the past and trying to further that relationship. So building with the listing agent, um, or I mean, going to meet the new agent is to build them to get their buyers and then staying in touch with the listing agent once we have them into escrow and staying in touch with them through that, through that uh, you know, three to four week period 
and then continuing to build on it from there. Hey, we had a great transaction. We really appreciate, you know, the opportunity to work with you. And can we grab coffee? Can we go grab lunch? And it's been a little bit challenging because what we found through the last two years with COVID and all of that, and really focusing on the listing agent is now all of a sudden our agents are not just local. Like we can't go see them on the weekend. We can't, you know, we have to build this relationship in a different way. We have, we have a handful of agents that are from San Diego. We have a handful of agents that are in LA and it's like, how do we do it? I mean, Mike's going to an open house on Saturday in LA. So So, uh, let me ask this question. How often as a percentage of your weekends are you at open houses? Four hours every day. Yeah. I mean, every weekend? You're at open yeah. house every weekend? Every I weekend. mean, look, we have families, right? Oh, that's my, I, vacations, you know where I'm going with this. We have right. vacations, right? You have to find that right balance. But especially in this market, I mean, we both were at an open house last Saturday and Sunday. Both days. Yeah. So through 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 2021, and, and I know COVID made it weird because we couldn't do certain things. But but how often were you at open houses during those two years when it was when it was appropriate? Yeah. So when when we were during those years, we would we, Mike and I would look at this and say, hey, I'll do Saturday, you do Sunday. Yep. And we would do that. And we because, yeah, that work life balance is important. We're just not in that environment right now. Yeah. So and when we were doing open houses, then what were we doing? We weren't even we're like we, a bodyguard. We were we were the bodyguards. <laughs> That's all. We, I mean, yeah, we were the bouncer the line at the of door. people trying to get through the open house. But I mean, but we, we were, there were supporting all those people. Absolutely. Yes. The line's 20 yeah. people deep and like I'm standing out there and it's like, hey, let, it's hot, you know, stand in the shade. Like, let's make this fun. Like, let's, let's talk, you know. But like, one of the things you touched upon, like with the listing agent is also, so if, if you don't have any buyers, right? Well, how do you secure the right buyer for your listing? So that's through cross qualifications. Yep. So that's yeah. one of the things that we, I know Glenn goes through them all the time and there was 30, 40 offers on properties, right? And we want to make sure that you're accepting the right offer. So guys, I I just want to hit this home for everybody out there. I I fell into the same lucky strategy that you all did, which was my best agents were always listing agents because they always want to double dip a property. They they always want their, their biggest, they're as control freaky as we are. They want to own the experience, manage it. I found they have tremendous control and influence and then cross calling customers is a goldmine because you're just providing that security deposit for them that says, Hey, look, they can get this house. Whether they use you or not, they're going to get this house. The realtor gets it, the seller gets it, and often you get a chance to compete. Well, when you bring, you get, you're, you're allowed to bring your value to the table then, right? Like you are approved elsewhere, but let's, let's show you what we do. So besides open houses and previews that I can tell for everyone listening, that these guys are religiously consistent with every weekend, always showing up, but I don't know a hundred million dollar producing person or team that doesn't have consistency as one of their core operating values. What other things do you do that are origination style strategies, staying in touch style strategies that you are absolutely committed to with consistency. What else? Past clients. Let's break it down. What do you do? Well, so I I live and die out of CRM. Okay. Right. Like, so I think that's a necessity because I heard you say this on another podcast. Like what's the, I think it was with Todd Duncan that people just don't follow up. We're talking about a huge financial transaction. That's not going to happen tomorrow for everyone. Whether it's six months, 12 months, 18 months down the road, it's our job to help them get there. And I think we're so much in a, like just a transactional business or mindset for most people that yep. it's, how do I just get the next deal? Well, yep. the next deal could be 18 months down the road. 
or from a friend of theirs. Yes. Right. It might not be them. The answer right. may be no, but you provided great service and they're like, you need to talk to my mom. So what does consistency look like in the past customers? Is it outreach, mailers, emails? What, what do you do? Yeah. So a little bit of both. So whether it's, I think from the beginning, right, he talks about a high level conversation that we're having and I'm doing a hopes and dreams call. So that's learning about them what this trend, like what this purchase or refinance means to them. Hmm. So that's getting their birthdays. That's knowing their favorite teams. That's knowing their kids. So that when I'm following up, like just I'll use CRM, I task her every day, who I'm following up with. Um, but I have something to follow up with other than just mortgage. Yeah. Like nobody wants a conversation that's just like, hey, how's everything going? Is how's your mortgage, mortgage? Still working for you? <laughs> I see that you're making the payment. It looks good. Yep. When you need me, call me. No. So like you want to be wishing them a happy birthday. You want to be touching up when it's their kid's birthday or their favorite team one or just those personal touches that, hey, I'm a partner, not your mortgage advisor. How, how often would you say you're touching your past clients then in this kind of strategy? How often are you making contact or? I would say once a quarter. Yeah. Um, because we do an annual mortgage review. We do past client events um, and then just that casual touch. Yep. Whether it's a video through kind of we use things like HomeBot, yep. Mortgage Coach, um, I, I would say quarterly. Okay. Yeah. I think what I think what we have always talked about and what we want to do is provide an experience. Yeah. It's just a different experience. You know, so many, so many uh, in our industry, they just are looking for, you know, hey, that next deal. And, you know, I'm looking for the one that's closing in 30 to 60 days, you know, and I think just giving that education and information to our clients and giving them that different experience through video and through just conversation, it goes so far. What are some of the things that you think stand out from your experience because compared to a competitor's experience? I, I, we do a, we do a past client, we do past client events. Like, we, yeah, like we, we said that a, casually, what does that mean? We oh. did a base, we did a baseball game and we invited 300 of our past clients to an angel game. To angel game, and yeah. we we did hot dogs in the parking lot, and we did. I mean, it was everybody was like, "Wow, this is so awesome! It's so cool!" You know, like this is really great that you guys do this. Well, we've done a movie event before <laughs> COVID hit, right? Yeah. Renting out the movie theater, bring your kids to see. I think we did Toy Story. Nice. So it's just Toy the, Story Four. You're getting them outside of that. Yeah. Mortgage. Nobody wants to talk about mortgage all the time, <sighs> right? bro. It's so. How often do you guys do community centric events? We tried to do them as, as like, we have one, we're trying to do one, I'd say like one a quarter. Yeah. Ish, maybe, maybe, a quarter -ish. Ish, yeah. yeah. I mean, this year has been a little bit tougher to do and we've, we've, uh, we did the baseball game and we had a great turnout and, you know, we do other ones with our realtor partners as well. And we support. How many people event. showed up to baseball we, out we of the 300? 185. No kidding. Yeah. That's a ton. Yeah. yeah. I was gonna think like 30. Yeah. No, that's what you think. But then you <laughs> learn like people actually like you. <laughs> that's that's that blows my mind a little bit um because i i just uh that's amazing i, I was i'm very i'm very caught off by that I, I i've been talking about how important local events are and and community events yeah. and so it's really rad to see them you know blow up like that and that's but it's also supporting your realtors at their events or even you're inviting the realtors too yeah correct yeah, yeah. yeah. so their clients that the, and, yep. and the realtors yep. say we're just coming together yep. hot dogs game yep. Gives them an opportunity to be together as well. Yeah. Dude, they're stoked, right? They're like, yeah, yeah, I'm bringing yeah. all my clients. Let's yeah, do it. Yeah. yeah. Huge. Um, so let me let me go down another path for a second. And Jeff uh, hit us up with a comment in there that we can bounce off of to play with this. But a lot of people um, understand that teams are really important to achieve certain results. 
I, I, even the people that I've talked to that have one assistant and a processor and have, and have funded over a hundred million dollars, you know, or, or Justin who does it with just his processor, they're still a team and they still have their lanes and all that. Like, I, so I love that. Like the, the, there's a lot of consistency in this. So the question Jeff has throw it up there, Mikey, um, Glenn, what's the benefit or challenge with creating a partnership with Mike when he was new to the business? Um, did it help that he was fresh and had a fresh perspective? 100%. And this is going to be great for everyone out there who wants to grow a team because we can piggyback on this and be like, what do you look for in partnering with a teammate? What kind of characteristics, you know, all that stuff. So let's let's unpack kind of how, how did the partnership start? Um, was there challenges figuring stuff out? You know, let's yeah. let's hear the story. Yeah, I think the obvious challenge is like, hey, how do, how do we put this together? How do we build this? And, and where do we start today? So we start, that's what we really did is like, let's figure out like, like I said earlier, like, the part that I love is I love talking to the realtors. Yeah. I love talking to the clients. Mike loves the numbers. He's really good with the numbers. So it's like kind of, we started maybe right there. Yeah. And I think that, you know, we have a, we have a little, um, we have a little different dynamic because of our relationship. Sure. Of course. Um, and we both want to work hard. So it's like, we both, oh. want, we both want to go work and we both, <laughs> we trust like, Hey, if Mike's not working, I'm working. I know. Hey, one day Mike's carrying the load. One day I'm carrying the load. So it's like really trying to, you have to build that trust yeah. with, uh, with that, with that partner. Um, was him, did, did it help having the fresh perspective? 100%. What, what, in what ways can you re it's recall just, anything? It's like, it's just like, he, he's like a clean slate, right? Yeah. So he brings ideas to the table. Like, oh yeah, I used to do that. We should do that. Like, oh yeah, I forgot about that. You know, like we need to do that. So just bringing those things and, and Hey, he keeps me sharp too. Like he's dealing with the customers every day. He's dealing with things. I'm, I'm asking him questions now, you know, like, Hey, can we do this? What about this? You know? So it's like, it allows us to bounce stuff off of each other as well. So yeah, that, that part, the trust piece, I think is the biggest piece because I've tried to do this before and had someone that wasn't, um, the relationship, the relationship wasn't there. And we end up, it gets weighted. Like sometimes one feels like, Oh, all of a sudden I feel yeah. like I'm, yeah. I'm doing, I'm doing too work. much. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that doesn't work. So that's, that's the, probably the toughest part. And that's maybe just a little different piece that, that Mike and I have. But so, I think it keeps you accountable as well. Absolutely. Right. Like if I see that Glenn does a video and I'm like, I got to do a video. Yeah. Like you, you're going to an open house. All right. I'm going to an open house. Yeah. Like, so I think that, pushing each other to yeah. to be our best and and work harder is important so the themes that stood out to me there are find somebody that wants to work as hard as you do right i think that's that's a really important message for anybody listening about growing a team because you can be kind of unevenly yoked all of a sudden and then you're like i'm pulling the team here man yeah. right um and then and when you do find point. somebody who wants to work that hard the accountability piece comes into play because then you're kind of it's not that you're in competition i can tell that it's that you're um wanting to make sure you're pulling your side of the rope to the same degree type of a thing. Yeah. 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 I like that. But we are competitive also within between the two of us. Yeah. I, of course. How many likes did you get? Oh, wait, yeah. I got to go do that. <laughs> okay. So, so let's, let's pivot and talk social for a minute. Um, you guys have really started to try to find your voice in your lane in social, uh, which has been really fun to watch. It's a whole new Avenue. It's like, it's like going out and meeting realtors for the first time. Yeah. You just got to find your way through it. You know, you're talking to some people, you're like, I hate you immediately. And, but I like this with realtor and it's just, it's a whole process until you kind of, you know, find your groove. And sometimes that can take six months or a year to kind of find steady referral business in the real estate community. What made you jump into social? What's been your journey so far? Let's, let's, let's hear the, the story. 
Well, I don't, I don't think it ever gets easy. I think Mikey said he could feel the nerves in this room, right? Like <laughs> nobody likes being on video. And I think we listen to you over and over and over again. Just and beating, beating you the hell you, out of you. Right? Yeah. Like people work with you. And I think at the end of the day, we've helped a lot of clients and we see the reviews and we see the experience that people enjoy. And it's like, well, we need to get that voice out to more, right? Like people lo- know, like, and trust us. Well, how do we communicate that? Yeah. In a, in a larger scale. I think we all, we all at some level and, you know, like we all are looking for like, how can I, I always think about this, like, how can I go to bed tonight and make money? Like, yeah. And I, and that's kind of how I'm viewing like social media. Like so it's I've, a 24 hour salesperson. I've been, for on you. My, I've been on my phone at two o'clock in the morning, just scrolling on my phone. Like everybody's done that. I've gotten comments at, at that time, you know? So I think, that was that was probably the biggest thing. I think you have really pushed us to to grow in that area. Yeah. And I think one thing that you all that you said to me that always stuck is like, "Well, Fargo people don't make it." No, 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 no. <laughs> okay, that was your dad. That was your dad. <laughs> Something you told me that stuck is, yes. uh, you know, don't uh, don't watch your video. Oh, that's that's yeah. you. That's who you are. Just do your video and post it, and that's helped me a lot. So yeah, I think I, that's so important. We did a. A mortgage coach seminar in our branch yeah recently and we send a video with every mortgage coach that we send out to people yep. and i had to play the video and i was like i never watch my video oh no i film it boom gone yep i i don't care if i mess up and how do you right? feel when you watched it i was like awkward <laughs> yeah i was like <laughs> what are you talking about like why did you go into that much depth about something like right but like people want to hear you mess up yeah no, they do. I think, yeah, our, I think our biggest video that we've had on social media was our bloopers. 100%, bro. Like, That's so good. Because I think those. you just have to get out there and do it. Yeah. Uh, Michael Stowers, what's up, my man? Good to see you, buddy. Thanks for jumping in and hanging with us. Um, so what has been your – how long would you say you've been pushing or leaning into social for? How long about? It's been less than six months. Probably. Yeah. 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 I, I mean, I, we were always there, but not – not as like a strategy, not a, like yeah. I'm yeah. committed, like this is, not, this is another consistency for me now. I mean, we went to the forward event in Vegas uh, yeah. a couple of weeks back and Gary Vee said, you need 10 to 15 pieces of content a day. So I was like, okay. We're, 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 we're at one. And yeah. We're just like, we how do we get past one? Yeah. <laughs> one a day. <laughs> <laughs> but it's just building in it. So like we're both very consistent and very driven in terms of our days. And it's just making it a consistent part of your What, what has been your learnings from it? In the six months, what stood out for you? I think we have to, we've learned that we have to do content days, like, or, oh, good or comment. you know, we do them um, every couple of weeks, we'll get together every two weeks, we get together and we'll just do our videos and, and get them together. Yep. Um, if you try to do it every day, it just doesn't work. Yep. And um, so it's been big. And I mean, we've, uh, we still have a lot to learn, obviously, but we're, we're, it's, it's evolving. You get any comments from people in the community in the streets about your content? Yes. Yes. That's, is, it, is it? Are they making fun of you? Or are they supporting you? What's where's where's that support? What's, support. Okay. Support. But it was also satisfying because I have in the last month, and I don't even have a TikTok myself. I've had two clients be like, "Mike, why are you on my TikTok? <laughs> I saw your video, and it was like funny." And they were like, "It's awesome. I'm following you now." Like, so it just shows these are past clients like that. I just they just happened like conversational, and they were like, "I saw your video. That was hilarious." Like, I was like, "You watch that." <laughs> and, and we get our realtor partners too. They're like, we see the content you're doing. We've got to do something. Yeah. Because they're not doing anything. 
you know, so I think, I think that's really like, that's something that we're trying to take back to our partners as well to like help them. Okay. You want to start? Like, let's, let's just do it. Yeah. We'll show you what we're doing. We'll yeah. collaborate. Yeah. yeah. You know what? My, the, the, my, my favorite script right now for cold calling new realtors, meaning either they're super cold, you've never met them or you bumped them into open house and you're just trying to take it up a level has been the simple conversation of, you know, Hey Glenn, Hey Mike, and it's Alec with Loan Depot. Do you ever collaborate with other loan officers about how to get new business? And they go, there's some key language in there. Like, do you ever collaborate with other loan officers? Meaning you're giving them space that they probably have a loan officer they're working with. Yeah. Um, collaborates and open-ended. What does that sure. even mean? You know, I'm not, you're not asking me for business. Yeah. Um, most of the time they say no, or what do you mean? And then what I found to be really powerful is, you know, I'm, I'm leaning heavily into social as a way to kind of grow my business, grow my connections. I'd love to strategize with what you're doing, share what I'm doing, and maybe we can come away with some new ways to do business. Yeah. And agents are that. like, yeah, like I'll meet with that all day long because yeah. they know just like we know, we got to do something. We got to find our voice, find our lane yeah. in this, in these platforms. And the only way to do that is to experiment and dive in and get other feedback and input. But I think you make it a partnership, not a handout. Absolutely. Right? Like we're in this with you, yep. not just waiting for you to go do it and send us business. That's right. Right. Like yeah. that's, that's yep. where the stigma come click. Like that's where you get the hang up because everyone just thinks you want something from them. Yep. Of course they no. do. We want to help you. So what would be your advice for somebody? Actually, before I answer that, but I'll do that at the end. What do you believe are the key characteristics that helped you achieve the milestone of breaking over hundred million? What, what do you think? So if somebody's looking at you guys going like, okay, what do I have to have in here to do that myself? What, what advice would you give them? What, what, what would you, how would you describe it? I think, I think we pushed each other between the two of us. So I think that was a big one. Okay. So some, uh, how, someone to push you. Yeah. Someone, huh? someone that can help push you to get, to make you uncomfortable to get where you want to be. Um, I, I think like that's, that. that's a big one. I think, consistency is all i mean i, I know we wanna, hit that but it's important i don't want to hear sound it. like a broken record no but, but it but, is that yeah it really is that so and, but let, let me ask one question deeper than that. yeah is there a trick in your mind to staying consistent because that's that's the that's the hard part i know i need to do this but life gets in my way yeah i know i need to make videos i know i need to go to social uh, broker previews i know i need to go to open houses and then i get excuses excuses results i mean life but is there a trick in your mind on how to stay consistent how do you do it? I, I look at like the one, my biggest one is my, we do a status call to the listing agent, buyer's agent and escrow every Tuesday. Yep. We're getting ready to go on vacation in a week. We're going to be gone for a week. I will do my Tuesday status up updates. I'll be gone. I'll do them. And I think that's just a non, it's a non-negotiable and yeah. they expect it. And Mike expects it. Everyone expects it. Yep. So that's that's probably a biggest one for me is that you have to make those consistent things that you do non-negotiables. Like you have to I do so it. agree, dude. You you just have to do it. And I think it's just accountability, right? Like yeah, we are very big of setting the expectation up front of what we're going to do through the process. Yep. The last thing I want is someone at the finish line being like, You said you were going to do this and you didn't. Yep. Like you only have to look at yourself in the mirror. Yep. Right. And so I think just putting it on yourself that, Hey, if you want this, you've got to put in the work to get there. No so, one's going to hand it to you. So I've got consistency. I got accountability, right? Someone pushing you. What, what are the things that someone needs to have? 
think you made. I mean, there's the, I mean, you got to have knowledge and, you know, you got to have all those things. Yeah. That, that yeah. You got to be a true professional, right? You got to yeah. know your, know your guidelines. You got to be in front of your, your That's customer to know what to say and when to say it. I mean, you just, it's just, I think it's just getting, I mean, it's almost just getting out there. It's just like, don't watch your video. Just go do it. By the way, I will make a comment for this. Don't watch your video thing. Cause I'm very in support of this. There will be a time for everybody as we, as you mature through this, when you can watch your video without the judgment, we overlay on top of it and you can be proud of yourself and you can critique it without the judgment and say, Hey, I could have done that better. And you don't have any of the baggage and judgment and weirdness there. You can actually look at it as a, as a, as a neutral third party almost. And you can have moments where you're like, Hey, I'm proud of that one. Or I know where I can improve. So that, that is coming for everybody playing in video. Um, it's a really interesting phenomenon. And I also, just to add to that, I think you also get to the spot, like this is where I've gotten with it is like, that's me and that's who people want to see. That's right. That's a hundred percent right. Yeah. They, they don't want the, they don't, I just posted a real, they don't want a billboard. They yeah. want a human, right? They want the real person, right? What you like, what you dislike, what sports you're into, what, what you drink. They want to know who you are. Absolutely. I did want to add to one thing that he said, cause I think the knowledge of your craft is very much overlooked right now. It's a differentiator, right? Like people think it's very easy to just get a mortgage through. And that's why you hear the horror stories, the 11th hour, the issues. They're real, dude. They're real horror stories. And I know when I got started six years ago, like I read guidelines and I still do to this day to know how to structure a loan. We met with a realtor yesterday and she's like, why do lenders come up with different approval prices? Like I talked to three different lenders and they're all varying. And it's because no one knows what they're doing. So we're not, we're not varying by $20,000. Yeah. We're varying by 150, Like you're approving somebody 000. for a 400 and someone else approving for 320. Yeah. yeah. Oh God. Like, wait, did you forget to add? Or the other way around. We're approving them for X <laughs> and someone and else approving for way more. And like, well, they can't you get need that long. To, yeah. So I think just that's our, it's our career, right? Investing in yourself to. Yeah. Master, be master yourself or mastering yeah. your craft. Yeah. Um, but don't let that deter going back to, to Enrique's comment, like don't let that deter someone from being new. You can, you still have the grace to say, I don't know that yet, or I'll figure that yes. out with you um, and go do that versus I have to know everything up front. But the true masters of their craft come through the other side of that. And they have, they do know what they're talking about. Although I, I guarantee you guys have been stumped still. I told, I, told, I told this realtor yesterday, up. and I'm like, so hey, I, it? Like, still. I don't know everything. I may think I know everything, and I tell the <laughs> underwriter I know, but I'm wrong sometimes. Like, that's so true. That's why we do the due diligence up front um, and giving someone a real approval rather than a like a pre-qualification, yeah. right? All right, last question. We can go as deep on as we want here. If you have a new originator sitting in front of you all, and they're asking, what do I need to do to be successful? I'll do whatever you tell me. Just paint me a picture and I will go execute. What, 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 is, the, what is the path you put them on? I put, I'll, I'll put them on the path of get out there, do what I did. Yep. I had to do it twice. I had to do it when I moved to California. I didn't move to Orange County. And then when we moved to Orange County, I had to do it again. So yep. get out there, go to the, the, the realtor caravans, the, all the, go to the open houses on the weekend, go to, the, um, you know, to, the, to those meetings because Hey, what's going to happen when you walk in there? It's, it's happened to everybody. They're all, you're going to walk in there and everybody's going to see a new lender. Oh, rates must've gone up, you know, ah. cause you're out here, you know, and 
So I think getting out there, getting your name out there and just getting known and go see that agent and at an open house, introduce yourself. I, I don't try to do anything when I'm meeting that new new realtor other yep. than we're having a conversation. Just we're introduction. Just introduction. We're not talking mortgage. We're not talking real estate. We're not talking anything. We're just. I'm meeting you. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. I'm meeting you. And then I'm leaving and then I'm doing my homework after that. I'm looking for them on Facebook. I'm trying to find more information about them. If they're at an open house and they, you know, have coffee or whatever, I'm, I'm making a note of those things. And, you know, we went with this realtor yesterday. I know what her coffee is. I know what she likes. I see her again. I see her in open house. I can easily take that to her. That's just something different, you know, like sets you apart, sets you, you apart. And that's probably the biggest thing is I've always, and I've told Mike this, I've told our team this, it's like when we're going when everyone else is going right, I want to go left. So not, not I don't want to go too far on a tangent on this, but how many new agents are you meeting right now on a regular basis? Not a lot. Um, I mean, you're, you're going to your existing agents. Yeah, and, we're and going to our existing ones. But at that same time, it's like we've always kind of had this, these are partners and we've tried to go deep with a smaller group. Yep. And now that's not the market that we're in. Now we have to widen that net. Absolutely. And and so, yeah, we are getting out there. We're meeting new agents, but I'm really trying to meet those new agents through a referral from the partners we have. Yeah, leverage or up. Yeah, or, or leveraging that transaction to go through um, with that listing agent. So that's really been our focus is doing that. And then hitting the open houses and doing a little research on that realtor before you go to the open house. And just because they've done one deal, doesn't mean you shouldn't go there. Agreed. You have to go see that agent. So we got the open house. We got the broker previews. We got the consistency. What else we? I did want to because, like, I think my age group and when I got into the industry, I think I was 25, 26, Right? We don't see a lot of younger people getting into the industry. Nope, we don't. Right? It, so I think, and for me, the biggest thing that helped me was being in an office setting. I think we've gotten accustomed to working from home and I love it more than the next person, but I wouldn't be here today if I didn't, wasn't in the office, I was in a cubicle and I listened to five different loan officers, how they talk to their clients, how they talk to their realtors and you gain that experience through them, right? You need a mentor, you need someone that's going to help brainstorm and be there to answer that question because you don't know them. So to uh, Manny there, like you don't know every answer. No. You, and you need to have that sounding board of who to talk to. And I think we lose that with Zoom and you're kind of on your own little island. So agents, broker previews, mentor, get around top producers, get around people you can ask questions on. There's there's two big ones. Is there a couple more? Do the, try to try to find something like I found, like being consistent, like, you know, going to, you know, if it's um, going to open houses and and trying to find that that agent that, you know, hey, he had an open house this weekend and he has that open house next weekend too. Go see him again. Yeah. Like, be consistent in showing up in front of him. And if he has an open house or he or she has an open house at a different property, go see them there. Yeah. Like, you know, like you're showing them that you're out there. And I think that's probably one of the biggest things that helped me when I um, was trying to get myself known was people saw me as being out there. Yeah. I was yeah. out there. I'm hustling. I'm out there. I'm trying to make it happen. Yep. And they, they built that they, reputation. They give you, they give you a shot and then you better do a damn good job on that one. <laughs> no kidding. But I think, <laughs> and then being, you build it from there. I think being yourself as well, because it's always interesting. And you listen to everyone that's on your podcast. 
a lot of people do it different, right? Yeah, there's, yeah. there's not one way to be successful. So I think owning who you are and what works for you and your strengths and doubling down on it. You know, I love that. Um, I want to, I want to share, you know, in conclusion here, a little bit of my, my commentary on these guys. And, and I, I want you to, to listen. And, and if you've been following the road to hundred million with all the guests we've had on, um, some things are, are, are universal for with top performers like these guys. <laughs> yes, Lord. <laughs> Actually, I don't know if they could hear the phone ring in the background. But that's good. That's good. We're live. So, yeah. you know, way to go, Mikey. So uh, that's a caller. Let's take the caller. Yeah. yeah. Call incredible. <laughs> I just answered that right now. Yeah. Uh, so the universal things that you'll find in anyone that's the top performer is, is consistency. It's commitment to be a professional and their trade that the knowledge that everyone that these guys have is just and, and it's a knowledge over time that's relentlessly pursued. It's not it's not like I've solved it. You heard these guys talk about, you know, I'm still getting stumped a little bit on, at random stuff. Um, it's it's that stay in your lane concept, which is so great that you guys have that because I know that mantra gets sent around. I've heard you guys use it like, hey, I got to stay in my lane. <laughs> get in, get in your lane. Let me go do what I got to do because that commitment to excellence and, and staying in your lane drives those results over time. It's just, it's, it all lines up. Uh, and then the last piece was everyone that I've talked to on the road to hundred million that have become mega stars or mega producers did it their own way. They're, they're, yes. The universal truths are still there. Like oh, everyone's working hard. No doubt. Everyone's pursuing excellence. All those things are true, but they've found a way to do it with their own unique voice and that's what that's my same encouragement for everyone out there listening to this right now is you have it within you too. Consistency and the pursuit of excellence is not something you're born with. It's something you do. It's not, it's not an inherent trait of, of your soul. It, it, you, everyone has it. Everyone has the ability to do it. And then if, as long as you live out your real truth and your own self, you can, you can find your way to, to the excellence. Um, any other commentary you have for any originators out there listening? You nailed it on your end there. <laughs> no, that was good. I think, I think like, like you said, it's, we all have it and there's a hundred different ways to get to the end result. And I hope that something that we're doing can help someone out there. Well, and Todd Duncan touched it on, on your last one, right? Like how many transactions are you looking for? How many transactions happen out there? He was touching on like Irvine, Tustin, oh, how many it, people oh, live there. Oh my God. Yeah. And you're looking for such a small fraction, right? Right. You're not looking to do a million. We're not a company. You're yeah. not looking to do a million transactions. You just want to do 215. Yeah. Right. You just want to do 300, 300 yeah. deals. Right. Uh, so last thing for everybody, and then we'll close. Um, just look at the path and the journey. Okay. Glenn wasn't a $100 million producer overnight. He moved markets. He had to reinvent himself. He found teammates along the way, family along the way. But look at the path from a $15 million producer to a 20, to a 25, to a $50 million producer, to a $70 million producer, to a $120 million producer. That is consistency in time and hard work. And that's it. And you guys all have that too. So thank you for joining me on the Modeling Podcast. We'll see you all on the next one. God bless and see you on the internet. Take us out, Mike.